Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Organic gardening. You know, it's amazing. Every time I've been to uh, a garden show or a nursery uh, or anywhere that I'm going to teach a class on gardening, uh, generally, people are coming to my classes because it's about organic gardening. Makes sense. We're biodynamic and organic compost makers. So people come to my classes, and I always ask everybody, so who here is an organic gardener? And everybody gets all excited, and they wave their hands, and they're, I'm an organic gardener. And they all try to make eye contact and let you know that they are down with the cause. And... The funniest thing is then I go, cool, so you guys all understand what organic means, right? Then the looks start to fade a little bit. And I go, and when you guys walk into, uh, whether it's a Whole Foods or a Sprouts or a you know farmer's market, and the sign says organic, you can look at something and know that that's organic, Right. And they are start shaking their head, no. And then I go, all right. <clears throat> so, are you guys all using organic protocols in your garden? And they all look at me like, organic protocols? What exactly are organic protocols? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit today and get into the world, the wacky world of organics and organic gardening. Hey gardeners, you want to know what I think is the greatest cheat in organic gardening? Compost tea. My favorite thing to use when I'm out in the garden couple things that I love about it, actually more than a couple things. It mitigates transplant shock, it stimulates root growth, it feeds your soil, feeds your plants, and it's great on those really hard to fight fungal diseases like powdery mildew, black spot, and rust. If you're looking for a good compost tea, you can go to malibucompost.com forward slash shop and choose the compost tea that best suits your gardening needs. Organic protocols? No, I don't think we're going to go there now. I think we're going to get into what is organics and where did organic come from and how do we know something's organic? So let's start with some of the basics. Let's go back to, you know, organic 101. Organic is defined as food produced with feed or fertilizer of plant or animal origin without fertilizers, growth stimulants, antibiotics, or pesticides. Okay. That makes it more yummy. But when we get into organic and we start thinking about, you know, how how do we know if something is organic? We kind of have to go back to the roots and we have to go back and go, where did organic come from? Who runs organic? Who tells us whether something is organic or it isn't organic? Well, in the United States, we have a thing called the National Organic Program, and it's a regular... Uh, regulatory program 
that is housed in the USDA. And, you know, the USDA has been overseeing conventional agriculture forever, you know, in this country. It's an interesting thing, though, because in the USDA, the guys that oversee organic is a group called the AMS or the Agricultural Marketing Service. And their job is to make sure that all the things that the organic program is supposed to have in it is in the organic products that are being sold in nurseries, in stores, um, now in soap. So, you know, all over the place. It's, it's, it's become a, a giant multi-billion dollar industry. In fact, the organic industry right now globally is uh, somewhere up around 80 billion, 85 billion dollars. That's big business. You know, when you consider that organic didn't start in this country um, until the 1990s when we took our cues from Europe, and then in, in, in the early 2000s, it actually became uh, a law uh, here, and, and we started governing um, uh, what organics is. So it's an interesting thing that the AMS runs this whole deal, and what they are responsible for it's it's spelled out really clearly right there on the USDA uh, the NOP website it says we are responsible for developing national standards for organically produced agricultural products our regulations do not address food safety or nutrition that's a whole mouthful and mindful you know, if we're thinking about what that just said to us. So you have other regulatory bodies that get involved in the organic standards that are part of this thing called the NOSB or the National Organic Standards Board. So you have an EPA three and four list that tell you different ingredients that can or cannot be in organic products. There's parts of the standard that involve the uh, FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. So it becomes a big soup or a big salad, depending on how you want to look at it, of organics. So in terms of gardening, since we're going to be, and since we're all raising our hands that, hey, I'm an organic gardener, um, and we go into our nursery or we go into, you know, um, Lowe's or Home Depot or one of the big boxes and we see stuff labeled organic and we're going to grab that off the shelf because why do we do that? Because it makes us feel better because since the early 2000s, we've been told organic, organic, organic. It's good for you. It's better. Buy organic. It's healthier. It's smarter. It's the best thing to do for the environment. And we've been listening to that, but there was no real weight behind the message. And so we would go into a store and it would say on their Organic. So I've got organic potting soil, organic seed starter, organic compost. I've got all kinds of organic stuff, which is, in my opinion, way better than a lot of the synthetic stuff that's out there and has been out there forever. But it doesn't necessarily mean what we think it means. So this is where we start to become educated organic gardeners. And we're going to talk about some other things regarding organic gardening, but I wanted to get into the meat of the matter, which is what is organic? How do you, how do you know that a tomato at Trader Joe's is worth, you know, three bucks versus two bucks for a conventional? Do you know what went into that? Do you know what those farmers are using? Do you know what they're allowed to use? Do you know what you should be using in your own garden? Well, 
That's a really important thing to do. And I always ask everybody in my classes, anybody here Google? And they all raise their hands and I say, great, I want you to become a black belt. Let's do that when we get back. Hey gang, are you getting the microbial diversity that you need in your garden? Well, we've got a really great solution for you. It's Effective Microorganisms, EM1, by a great company named Terraganics. You can go on terraganics.com, that's T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, and you can look at the different microbial inoculants that they have for sale. We highly recommend these products. So what does it mean to be a black belt when it comes to organic gardening? What I mean by that is, you know, we're all we're all into the tech age. Even though we're gardening, we're in the tech age. And so we're looking up stuff online and we're getting lots of information and we're watching YouTubes and we're doing this and, you know, looking at websites. We're getting all kinds of content out there. And so at this point, it's a really good thing to do to start to have a little bit of discernment with the information that we're bringing in. Because let me tell you something, guys. Just like not every compost is created equal, not every, in quotes, expert is created equal either. So I've learned from a lot of amazing people, and I generally try to look at the people that are actually doing stuff and not just the academics or not just the people that are interested in being TV stars or video stars. I look at people that are actually doing stuff who are farmers and landscapers and growers and gardeners who really have that, that switch go on, that light go on inside of them that they wanted to really get into organic gardening and learning organic protocols and really starting to see the difference that happens when you start looking at things from a perspective of soil health. That for me is where all organic gardening has to start from because soil health has everything to do with the environment because the environment includes the soil. Our ecology includes the soil. So before we get into and this is kind of a funny thing, but I always think in classes and stuff that everybody wants, like, give me the quick hit of what's the recipe? What do you want me to put in my garden? Um, how many times should I do it? All that stuff, you know, instead of let's take a pause, let's step back and let's look at what are we actually trying to accomplish here? So if we're trying to either transition to an organic garden or we're trying to take protocols that we've been used that have been kind of in quotes organic or maybe even faux organic and maybe we don't even know 
And, you know, and frankly, I started out that way, you know, as a landscaper, I had to learn um, because there wasn't any organic protocols when I started out and I transitioned uh, in the landscape world to organic gardening and growing and landscaping because it was back in the early 2000s and that's when organics actually became, uh, you know, regulated as I discussed in the earlier uh, segment. So, Let's just talk about the environment for a second because it's important. You know, you go outside, you look outside of your yard, and what do you see? Uh, I look, I'll take my yard, for example. I look out and I see a bunch of trees. I see some hedges in the back. I see different planters. I see a couple areas where I've got a cooler climate because I uh, of the trees, and I've always got kind of a breeze in this one area. And it's always, you know, maybe you know five or ten degrees, sometimes more cooler than the area that's just blasted by the sun, which gets just massive southerly, you know, sun exposure. And from pretty much 10 a.m. to probably 3 or 4 in the afternoon, it is just blasted by sun and by heat. So it's really important to, to, to look at that, to notice that. Rain and water. Where do we live? Do we get all kinds of you know rain or all kind of water? Where our farm is up in Oregon, we get 35 uh, inches of rain plus a year. And we had a couple years where it rained 116, 118 days, and we just were underwater all the time. What happens with that environmentally and microbially is that we start to uh, we start to get compaction, and we start to flush nutrient out of the soil. And that means when we come back into the spring, or if we have a heavy rainy season in the summer, we have to come back in the fall, and we have to remineralize. We have to add nutrient back in. We have to add biology back in, which we do with compost and compost teas. And we do that sometimes by adding a mined mineral into the soil, but we're not going to get there yet. I'm just giving you a little tidbit of where organic gardening is going to go. But those are the things that everybody wants to know when we're in classes. They're there like going, come on, tell us the good stuff now. Give us the meat. You know, I got to run home and, and, and become instant organic gardener. Superb. And that's just not ever going to happen. It's a learning process. It's a learning curve. It's, a, it's, it, it's, it's what we do, and it takes some time. Soil temperature is another big one. Uh, I always ask in my classes, how many of you guys out there take the temperature of your soil? Oddly enough, I've had people who've raised their hand to say that they've done that and that they do that. <clears throat> and that's, to me, that's fantastic because soil temperature is really important to the biology in your soil because microbes are the most active when they're at temperatures between 68 and 80 degrees. And it's no, you know, irony or no, you know, odd fact that during the spring and during parts of the early summer and then again parts of the fall, we have tremendous push in growth. And generally those are times when the soil temperatures are within those ranges that I'm talking about. It's when the sun is close to the earth. It's when it's not too much of a blast because the same way that we kind of slow down when it's too hot, um, the microbes in the soil will also slow down. They'll also start to um, uh, decrease their activity. But when they're in that prime zone, just like we are, they're ready to go. They want to eat. They want to reproduce. They want to be active. They're pooping. They're alive. Things are happening. There's some moisture in the soil. And that's a fantastic time to look at things. 
If you want to know what the soil temperature is on any given day uh, in your particular area, there's a, there's a great uh, place you can go on. It's called greencastonline.com. And you literally just type in, you know, where you live and it will give you the soil temperature, you know, for that day. Soil temperatures can, can vary anywhere between, you know, 5 and 10 and 15 degrees in a given day. Um, you know, so that's an important thing to know. And it's a nice thing to kind of find out. So I love the soil temperature issue. I talked a little bit about the sun. The other thing in organic gardening that is really important and is a great thing and it's free is airflow. How does the air move in your garden? And why is that important? <clears throat> what makes that something that I should, should be concerned with? I'm always concerned with it. I'm, I'm concerned with a couple of things when I walk into a new garden or onto a new farm or onto a new, um, a new garden site or a new landscape site. I'm always looking at, first of all, where's the water going to go? So I'm always looking at what's my drainage, what's my flow, how's that going to go, where's the water going to, how's it exiting, or where is it going to pool up on this property? The other thing I'm looking at when I plant, where's the direction, where's my wind coming from, where's my movement, where are my natural barriers that are going to block any kind of wind, and where do I have an absolute area where... If I'm in a really windy zone, going back to, to our farm in Oregon, we have one side of our farm that is wide open and it gets so windy that you can't even imagine the gusts that we get through there on a windy day. Completely opposite of the other side of the, of the farm where we barely get any wind. So wind does a couple things. Air movement. So plant your plants accordingly. Space your plants out because those that air movement is going to help you in terms of fungal disease and is going to help you in terms of having space for your plants to respire. And it's a really, really effective way of creating a healthy, vital, organic garden. The other thing that I always recommend that you guys do when you're organic gardening is do some soil testing. Find out, you know, basic stuff like what are the metal counts in your soil? What's the pH of my soil? Um, you know, the basic, uh, you know, breakdown of my soil, basic composition of it. Get that stuff because it's going to help you as we get further into uh, creating, <clears throat> you know, your next level of healthy living soil. First of all, congratulations on checking out organic gardening or being an organic gardener. Number two, I always want to find out what's my motivation. Why do I want to be an organic gardener? Why do I want to be an organic grower? What's the purpose behind this? What's the benefit of it? How can I uh, be a better steward of the earth, of my yard, of my community, of my neighborhood? Those are the things that I'm always looking at. So... Let's answer those questions and join us again for Organic Gardening Part 2. Join us next week for another exciting and interesting look at gardening, growing, farming, health, and how we all might make this place that we call home a better place. Until then, thank you and happy and healthy gardening.